The Christmas story has a lot of familiar characters. The angels, the shepherds, and of course the Holy Family. But to get to that story, we have to meet John the Baptist, one of the more interesting people in the Gospels. He comes to us every Advent to help us prepare for Jesus. Today, our senior pastor, McGray de Vega, helps us explore his life and his message and gives us practical ways to make the path straight for Jesus this Christmas. And as always, stick around after the sermon for some next steps you can take over the next coming weeks. Check it out. Let's pray together. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It would hardly be an Advent season without meeting John the Baptist. He's the, the doorman at the dance, the bouncer at the club, the one, the one we have to go through in order to get to the merriment of Christmas. Every year, the lectionary requires that we make a stop at the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, and we hear John the Baptist ask us for our ID at the door. A baptism of repentance, Mark says. He's not checking our driver's license or our age, but the status of our hearts, the condition of our relationships, the state of the world, to see if we are really ready to meet the Messiah. <laughs> I know we'd, we'd much rather skip past John and go right to Jesus, but Mark won't let us. Before we even meet Jesus, Mark doubles down on introducing us to John. He's about 30 years old when we meet him, about the same age as Jesus. And Mark gives us John's resume, professional objective, wilderness prophet, education, wilderness university, work experience, wilderness wandering, professional skills, wilderness screaming. Clearly, he would have made a perfect spokesman for REI or L.L. Bean. Professional interests, modeling leather and camel hair outfits, personal interests, eating locusts and wild honey. That's John's resume. But then there's one more thing to notice at the bottom of the resume of John the Baptist. It's a name listed under references. Just one name, Isaiah. Mark reminds us that this is not the first time a mystery man has come from the wilderness to proclaim repentance and prepare the way for the Messiah. Mark quotes Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 2. Quote, As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. It's nearly a direct quote from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3, except the original Isaiah, the OG Isaiah, said it this way. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. John's job is to check your ID to see if your heart has the straightest, clearest access for Jesus into your life. That is his professional objective. You know, his resume 
was so peculiar that it leads us to ponder what John was like when he was younger. In fact, we can imagine these two cousins, John and Jesus, when they were younger, having a conversation with each other. Jesus is hammering away at his dad's carpenter bench. John playing with his dad's priestly robes and altar wear. One day, John says, Hey, cousin, tell me again what you want to be when you grow up. Messiah and Savior of the world. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're serious? Oh, yeah, you're serious. Aunt Mary tells you that story all the time, doesn't she? Yes, Mama loves to tell me that story. About the angel? Yeah, Gabriel. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus. If you're really going to do this, if you're, if you're really going to go out in public someday and, and make the case for being the Messiah, then you're going to need a hype guy. A what? A hype guy, a hype man, an opener, a warm-up act. An advance team to go out and scout the venues and get things ready for your tour. John, I think you've been inhaling too much of your dad's incense. I don't think you know what you're getting into. Look, cousin, my parents are really old. I don't, I don't know how much longer they'll be around. And they've got, an, they've got an expectation of me that I have to live up to as well. I just feel like if you're the one, I mean the one, I need to help. I'd be honored to help. This is the way that I can make something of my life. Look, Jesus, just just think of me as the bouncer at the door to get people ready for what you're gonna do. Thanks, John. That would be amazing. And then John the Baptist disappears into the wilderness to go meet a mentor. Someone to train him in the ways of a messenger. So John went out to meet the memory of a mentor named Isaiah, the original voice in the wilderness. The one who first coined the phrase, prepare the way of the Lord. John went out to learn how to teach people about making a highway for the Messiah into the heart of the human experience. And that's why we need to meet John every Advent. And as he spends time in the wilderness for his training, John comes to realize something. Roads are awesome. Lack of roads, not so awesome. When the Israelites left Egypt and headed for the promised land, it it took them 40 years by foot. But if they had a proper road, a straight road, a safe road between the Red Sea and the Jordan River, it would have only taken them about 40 days. And I bet as John the Baptist spent time training in the wilderness for his role as Jesus's hype guy, he noticed the same thing. Roads are awesome. Traveling the paths of people who have gone before you are really helpful. Their feet have already stamped the ground to make it more level. Their footprints remind you that you're you're not in uncharted territory. Their ancient paths give you direction in the present. But then there are also parts of the wilderness where there are no past travelers. There, There are no prior paths. Or the roads that are there 
are in unusable disrepair. I mean, after all, is there nothing more frustrating in your day-to-day -day life than a road that is impassable? Let's talk about potholes. Potholes are sneaky, nasty, and clearly of the devil. And I'm not talking about potholes in the streets of Tampa Bay. John would ask us about the potholes in the pathways of your heart. A pothole that needs to be filled with the guidance of Scripture and the work of the Holy Spirit to fill the holes that have been dug by anger and grief and shame and anxiety, and to be filled instead with integrity and peace and a commitment to follow Jesus. Can we also talk about drainage? Sometimes the pathways of our hearts are fine until a storm hits, until a storm of our lives hit, and then the rains of, of suffering and heartbreak and fear create puddles and widespread flooding. In fact, that may be a metaphor for your life right now. Better drainage in the roadways of your soul can come through prayer, spiritual counsel of friends, being in a small group of fellow travelers, so that the rainwater can be diverted away and made useful as irrigation or reservoirs for the future. You may find your roadways, let's say, impeded by a, a fallen bridge. Your relationship with someone has been badly damaged by some act of harm, intentional or otherwise and you're having a really hard time moving through it together. So finding some way for you and that other person to build a bridge together, each of you starting from your own embankment and, and meeting in the middle, might make both of your roads passable again. And sometimes, maybe hardest of all, roads are completely blocked by walls, barricades, checkpoints, gates, barriers that exist in our society, in our world, and even now in the very hometowns of Jesus and his original followers that prevent communities from coming together. Walls of division, oppression, walls of discrimination, tribalization that render people voiceless and powerless. In 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, there lived a 15-year-old African-American high schooler named Claudette Colvin. She attended a segregated high school where she was learning about formidable historical figures like Harriet Tubman and Sojourner Truth. On March 2nd, 1955, after school, she got on the bus to go home. She was sitting in the back of the bus in the section designated for black people. But then the bus picked up a bunch more white people, despite the white-only section already being filled. So the bus driver looked at Claudette and all the black folks sitting in the back of the bus and told them to stand up and give up their seats for the white folks who were coming on board. And young, Teenage Claudette Colvin stayed seated. In an interview, Claudette said, quote, 
History kept me stuck to my seat. I felt the hand of Harriet Tubman pushing down on one shoulder and Sojourner Truth pushing down on the other. Claudette was handcuffed, arrested, and forcibly removed from the bus. As it turns out, Claudette Colvin would become the hype person, a precursor for a better known pioneer to come when nine months later, a woman named Rosa Parks would do essentially the same thing. And as Rosa Parks' fame increased, Claudette Colvin's fame decreased. Claudette would later say that she understood why Rosa Parks was an adult, mature, middle-class, and employed. She herself was just a teenager. She said Rosa looked the part, herself not so much. They eventually became friends. Rosa became like a mentor to her when she joined the NAACP Youth Council. And Mark's gospel tells us that John the Baptist said that Jesus must increase, but I must decrease. At 84 years old, Claudette Colvin is still alive and she's now getting the attention that she deserves. She has a street named after her in her hometown. Every March 2nd is now Claudette Colvin Day in Montgomery, Alabama. In February 2022, the U.S. Congress adopted H.R. 922, formally recognizing Claudette Colvin's life and witness. And in 2021, in the Montgomery Courthouse, a judge formally and finally expunged Claudette's juvenile record of her actions on that bus, 66 years later. Claudette Colvin helped to make straight a highway of God's peace and justice and love for all people. So here we are with John the Baptist once again as a bouncer at the doorway of another Christmas, staring at him eye to eye as he asks us, not for our identification, but for our preparations. He's asking us what we are doing to make straighter the pathways of our hearts and in our world, to fill our potholes with more integrity and holier living, to improve the drainage through prayer and solidarity with others, to build bridges with those with whom we are separated, and to tear down walls of injustice and inequity. John's not asking us to save the world. He's just telling us to get ready for the one who can. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the life and witness of John the Baptist, who points our hearts and our spirits toward Jesus. Help us to prepare our lives and our world for his arrival, to make the roadways clearer and the pathways straighter. Let us do this not for our glory, but for the one whose glory shines round about us and fills our hearts with peace. In Jesus' name, amen. McGray's sermon reminds us of how each of us can make the pathways to peace clearer in our lives, 
our relationships, and in the world. How will you prepare for Jesus between now and Christmas? We invite you to check out the Next Steps page on our website and in the reflection questions down in the description box below for some deeper conversation. I'm Sam Klein. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.